Good afternoon, Australia, and good evening, America. You're back on Radio Tony, and this is the Everyday Business Show, and I'm your host, Tony Lontis. In the background, all the way from the Philippines, we have the gorgeous Payo waiting online for your comments, questions, and to send you links if you need them. Um, we are... Um, expecting that you will ask lots of questions and we encourage you to do so and Payo will be able to answer you whilst I'm live online. Don't forget to jump onto radiotony.com as you will find all the information about our amazing guests and links to their information if you're listening to this while driving in the car. I have an amazing guest today and I'm so glad that Nikki can be with us. Now, Nikki is the CEO of Exabet. Now, I'm not sure if I pronounce this because I keep going to say expect and it's not, but I'm going <laughs> to clarify that with Nikki in a minute. Um, Nikki founded the startup company in 2015 to provide service uh, robotic solutions to the Australian marketplace. She's passionate about applying innovative technology such as artificial intelligence and automation to improve the work-life balance and wellness by removing repetitive and boring work, which I love already. She's provided numerous robotic telepresence solutions to educational facilities, businesses, and to augment communication and movement for disabled and incapacitated people. Nikki believes that a well-designed application of robotics will lead to the emergence of new business models that will change the way people work and play for the better. And I have to absolutely agree with that. Noted as one of the six women who rock robotics in Australia and a regular speaker at events, Nikki is a passionate educator about how robotics can uh, augment your life for the better. Um, the company is Westpac's 2018 Top Businesses of Tomorrow winners, a winner of the episode two of the Startup Show, season two in 2018, and also one of the four companies representing Australia at the International Cultural Fair in Shenzhen, Shenzhen 2019. Nikki is also noted as the 30 top 30 women you need to know in robotics in 2020 and this global recognition and Nikki uh, has one of the women in Australia to be awarded this accolade. Good morning and welcome to the show Nikki. Hi Tony, good morning and good afternoon to our listeners and uh, thanks so much for having me. Um, I've been really excited about this upcoming interview for a number of weeks because I am just fascinated about robotics, AI, tech, and how all of those things combine to make our lives and work-life balance better. But it didn't start there for you, Nikki, and I'm wondering if we can take our listeners on a bit of a journey that led you to this point in time where your CEO, a woman, leading a robotics company. Yeah, sure, Tony. Uh, so my husband and I are immigrants to Australia. We've lived here for 26 years. Um, absolutely beautiful country, and I'm so happy to um, have been afforded the privilege of being a citizen here now. Um, part of our journey about 10 years ago, my husband and I were involved in a, another company. It was also a startup, an agile consultancy company called Tabo, which is still going in Australia now. And uh, yeah. we were doing workplace happiness conferences. And um, one of these events that I was uh, the organizer, part organizer, 
um, we wanted international um, guests to be able to attend. So a guy from America and a lady from New Zealand, and we were looking around at what sort of technology could we have that would be, you know, a little bit groundbreaking, a little bit out there. And um, we found the double robot and we imported one and we used it at the day and it was such a great success um, that we probably bought 15 more as you do because, you know, that's what you do. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I sold them. And um, my husband in his foresight, um, very, very smart man, uh, in 2015 I woke up and he said, now, listen here, this is now your company and it's actually exact tech. So, um, but please, like, we have a lot of it's it's a it's a tongue twister and had we known it, we would have just said ABC robots. But anyway, so um, <laughs> just make it easy for people. But anyway, so Exactrick was born in 2015 and, and Anton said to me, yeah, you are now the, the recipient of this company. Go forth and, and, and do what you need to do. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, you can say that again because... You know, I, I don't, I don't have a technical background. I always hesitate to say that because we don't. The emphasis isn't on that because you know, you, I don't think you necessarily need a technical background. And yes. um, I think a little bit in the first two years, my idea of running a company was if I get an email because it was such a niche market. You know, like the, the market that I deal in robotics is personal assistive robotics, and it's really niche. And I still find myself when people ask me what I do and I explain it, I have to go into like very basic what a telepresence robot is to. And, you know, once I've explained it, they know what it is, but most people still don't know what it is. Ah, okay. So um, you handed this company in 2015 and I know that there were some monumental challenges that you were faced with and had to deal with. Can you talk us through that, Nikki? Look, Tony, where do I begin? Okay, so we, we started in mm. 2015 and we, we're going, well, I'm going along with this company. In the, in the process, I'm still busy with Chabo because we still, um, we still yes. had shares in the company and I was still the business manager there. Um, you know, and I've got two kids and Anton and life goes yes. on. So um, in 2018, uh, which was actually quite a big year because I um, went on a, a startup program the Collider. Yes, yes. That uh, mm-hmm. um, Queensland um, QUT. Uh, I was one of the recipients of this that I could go on it. And so that was absolutely fantastic because um, it was a three-month course um, exposed to people doing marketing, business, analysis, yes. like all sorts of things. And I really, it was an eye-opener for me. I was the oldest person, the oldest woman there. Yeah. And I'd, and um, there was a 17-year-old, so like the dichotomy between oh, the two. Really? Of course, best, best friend, Scott Miller, um, and he's doing exceptionally yes. well as well. But I just... You know, it was just funny, the, the younger guy and the older woman. But anyway, like a lot of yes. life lessons learned there. Um, yeah, so um, I, I did that and I, it was exceptionally good for the business and also just broadening my horizons in terms of how you actually run a company because I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, they start and they go, you know, you, you're just going to run a company, but there's actually quite a lot to yes. be aware of and across. And as you you know yourself, like um, there, there are lots of little bits and pieces that need to be, you know. And um, being entrepreneurs in a startup, like we didn't have like 20 staff members, you know, like you, no. you cook, bottle wash, and you do basically everything. So, um, yes. yeah, that, that was quite a, an introduction. So, anyway, I, I did the um, – 
the startup program. I actually absolutely loved it. Um, but as I said, like 2018 was like a big year. Um, Anton, yes. um, my, my husband, um, yeah, he, he committed suicide, um, that year yes. as well. So, which was yeah, a huge, yeah, pretty rough. Huge thing to get through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know, Nikki, that we've talked briefly about this before and when we were talking about coming um, and interviewing you, you lied. You were um, not so much reluctant, but I wanted to be very sensitive in discussing this um, subject because the impact of suicide on the family, the wife, the company, it, it, it's monumental. You you have to keep going in the space where you're dealing with something that is incredibly traumatic and for which nothing could prepare you. How on earth did you manage to keep going at that time, Nikki? Uh, you know, Tony, I actually, I think back of the year and I, it's actually a bit of a blur, to be honest with you. I've actually listened to some of your other guests. So I know like some of your other guests have had a similar journey and it's been yes. absolutely horrific. You know, the stats in Australia around um, suicide is yes. eight a day. So six men and two women. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I was thinking this morning on my way to the office, you know, I knew we were going to be chatting about this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, today someone's life is going to be irrevocably changed yes. by, by a suicide that they're going to experience. So I don't think there's anything that prepares you for this. Um, and I think the, the grief of a, of a suicide, look, People die. You know, we expect this. We know people are going to die. And you expect, um, you know, if it's an average or, I don't say average, but an average lifespan, like 70 or 80, like we expect it and you deal with it. Then you go, look, yeah, this person's had a good life. Yeah. Um, I think when someone close to you, like especially a spousal suicide, um, it's it's dreadful. Like I don't, there, there are no words that can prepare you for it. And, how honestly, I look how I went on. Um, oh, you know, you, you get up and you one day you, you take one day at a time was my philosophy at the time. Yes. And I've also got children, so you know, I think, yeah, I think exactly. that, yeah, that became an anchor and sort of a mainstay for me is look, I've got children. I hate to say this, like if it wasn't for that, I, you know, like you, I possibly could have just lost stuff at all because, you know, I'm not responsible yes. for someone else. But, And I'm sure a lot of um, people that I've gone through what I would call suicide survivors, um, I don't call them victims, yes. I call them survivors, they would all go through this journey of, you know, oh, this is just, it's in the too hard basket. But, um, yes, yeah, look, I, I probably... I probably Anton was battling a little bit, wasn't he? But it was still unexpected. Oh, completely. Look, I mean, when you're quite right when you say he was battling. Um, he had a medical medical condition, so he was in ongoing pain. Yes. Um, which, you know, in retrospect, I think we completely underestimated. So, to any listeners oh. out there, if you're dealing with an ongoing pain management it's issue, tough. please. Yeah, don't don't underestimate what it can do to you mentally. Um, and if if someone in your family is dealing with it, don't underestimate it. Like you'll be making a grave mistake if you underestimate it. And I think yeah. maybe you know, looking back, that that was probably a trigger for Anton that he just went look combined with not feeling great, some other yes. 
you know, I, I don't think they immigrants to a country um, that haven't actually dealt with depression. I, I've yet to meet an immigrant that hasn't gone. Yes. Has this been worth it? What we've sacrificed to go to another country. So I'm extremely it's grateful. It's life-changing to move from one country and your family and your life, as you know, to a completely different com- country. Again, we sometimes underestimate that is massive and you need we need to remember that that is a massive shift. Yeah, I think because I think look, number one, you know, if you if you speak to any host country, so I'd call Australia a host country to me, you know, yeah. if you don't we don't really mention these things because I think, you know, we think Australians would think, Well, why did you come here? you know, like you could have stayed in the country. And it's not just South Africans, it's like a multitude of nations oh. because, you know, Australia is not really multicultural. I've I've sort of seen it in the twenty six years. Yeah. Um so I think it's a bit rich of us to, you know, as immigrants to expect that our host countries have to be more sensitive. Why should they? Like, we're the ones coming here, you know. So there's a bit of a, you know, yin and yang in my philosophy about this. But I am particularly sensitive to um, immigrants because mm. I know the journeys that they're going through, you know, and you've given up a lot. And, yes, it has been your decision to do it. And, you know, for other um, some some people are escaping war-torn countries and yes. that's not really a decision anymore. You know, you need to get away to stay safe. Um, you know, for us, I think for my Anton and myself, it was we've got two sons and, and we wanted to, we wanted a different, different life for them that was, that was offered in South Africa. So, um, but I I do think amongst, and I'm not sure if studies have been done about this, but certainly with immigrants, you know, like the suicide, the depression rate and the suicide rate would be another subcategory of that. So, um, yeah, it is challenging. Um, but again, I, as I said, I'm so grateful to be living in this wonderful country. Um, it's afforded us its opportunities that we would never have had yes. in South Africa. So, um, yes, I know I don't sound Australian, but um, I, I am very Australian. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that accent. Um, just, Nikki, I, I do want to recognise that we still don't look after our men in terms of mental health very well. And men have that propensity to die before asking for help. And we need to change that. And having talked to you quite a bit about this, um, I'm really very appreciative that you've been open with this um, discussion today about losing Anton and, and, and his suicide. And for anyone who's listening, again, I just encourage you, there are there is lots of help out there but you do need to recognise that you need to ask for it. You need to talk to someone. You need to actually recognise that there are wonderful, caring, supportive, amazing people that will help you get through that horrible blackness that you feel. And I know from my own battle with depression that you just want the pain and blackness to stop. You just want it to end. And that occupies your complete and entire thought process and if you just let someone in and just have a little conversation with someone i am feeling really really bad i need some help and sometimes that's all it takes 
I agree with you, Tony. You know, I think it starts with this this concept that we raise our boys with boys don't cry. Like, I don't yeah. know where this yeah. ridiculous saying came from. You know, I've got two sons and I reflect on their on their life um, growing up and I, I hope I never said to them, boys don't cry because I just think it's such a stupid thing to say to someone. You know, if you hurt, of course you're going to cry. You're a human being. Of course, if I mm. pinch you, it's going to hurt you. If you cut yourself, it's going to, you know, like why would you say don't cry? How are you going to express your emotion? And men have deep emotions. It's not just women. It's just that we are gifted with a better ability to discuss those deep emotions mm. whereas men we need to give men permission to cry and have deep emotions and to be able to create a safe space where they can talk about those deep emotions and particularly for people suffering with long-term pain um again it, it is something that debilitates your mind because it's the first thing you wake up thinking about and the last thing you think about going to sleep that there's this pain and it just won't go away and you just want it to stop and it leads to that sequence of there's no way out I just want it to stop. Um, Nikki thank you so much for talking about Anton um, I do really want to know, in the aftermath of Anton and the company, how you started to grow the company in the space where it was so dark and difficult, the boys were younger, um, and it was a it was a terrible time for you, but you still managed to get through that and keep growing this wonderful robotics company. Well, Tony, you know, like I've, what's that saying from all, every cloud has a dark cloud has a silver lining. So um, yeah. I, ha- I have to say it, I was on the verge of closing the company and just walking away mm-hmm. when I was approached by um, Robotemi, an Israeli company, um, yes. to find out if I wanted to be their distributor of uh, Temi, the telepresence robot. Uh, okay. I've, it's really so cute, that one. I know, and I, I I said, well, you know, why not? Like, you know, what else am I doing? Um, yes. But one of their prerequisites for working with me was they wanted to meet me in person. So um, mm-hmm. in, in in the same year of Anton's death, I actually, the December, I flew to Israel yes. and I, I met with um, Yossi Wolf, the then uh, CEO, who's now the chairman, and um, his team. And yeah. it was an amazing, absolutely amazing experience. I don't know if you've been to Israel, but it was um, no, it's on my bucket list. It's it was just a life changing experience for me. So it, it gave me something to grasp onto and hold on to. And um, oh, thank God, yeah. After meeting them and then deciding, um, I, d- despite not being very technical, I had very strong other skills, as Yossi put it to me. Yeah. Um, I became their distributor. And look, uh, 2019 was um, the Temi arrived here in about April, and I, yeah. I started marketing it, and it's, it's been an absolutely superb product. It's, in my opinion one of the best telepresence robots on the market that you can find today. It's hardware, software, um, it's superior. So I'm, I'm so happy that uh, I backed their horse and they backed me in turn because yes. it's, a very, it's a very mutually beneficial um, relationship. Um, they're extremely supportive in terms of any support that I need and not just myself but any of their, their distributors across the world. And... Um, 
then last year when COVID, smack bang, when COVID hit, I became the distributor yes. for the Cutie Robot, which is a little robot that deals with children that have autism. It's a, an assistive robot. So, again, I was ready to get out there and go and, and yes. COVID hit. So my little Cutie arrived and um, I'm actually in my office now. So for any of the viewers I know, watching I this. I see them in the I background. Can, and they I'm were like, in the oh. background. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Cutie... Um, works with children, an amazing little robot helping children, um, you know, just to be able to cope with the world uh, a little yes. bit better because they have enough challenges. So there's um, an emotional curriculum that takes you through, you know, if someone's smiling, if they're frowning, like early stages, and it's got about uh, 70 hours of, of material that the that, uh, therapist, the robot and the child, it's a three-way um, workout that happens. So, again, like these robots, what they what they're able to do and mean for children, with people with disabilities, um, that's what makes me really excited and passionate. Yeah. And Nikki, for our audience, we often think about robots in terms of how they're portrayed in movies. Um, and I'm really curious to explore how amazing robots are. And so it, it's more than a uh, an a computer system. It's a computer system. It's got artificial intelligence. It's got moving um, parts. The creations that we can look forward to in the future are particularly exciting around robotics, aren't they? Oh, look, I, I agree with you. If you would spoken to me before I got into the industry, if you spoke about a, a robot, I probably thought of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, I'll be back um, in Terminator. <laughs> but, you know, typically, I know, I'll be back. Um, it's quite cool. I like to. Anyway. It is. Um, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> Typically, robots are, are there are two categories. It's industrial robots and then it's... Um, Personal robots. So under personal robots would be um, robots such as telepresence robots, um, yeah. social robots, which I've got some in my office here, or QT, which is um, assistive robots. So with someone with like um, autism, and uh, robotics. The robotics uptake in Australia hasn't been all that great out of 38 countries. Mm-hmm. We're about 35th in our adoption rate. So um, there's a whole criteria. We're a bit how they, slow. We're a little bit slow, and it's it's a pity because it will come back to bite us in the butt. Um, yes, but but in particular the robots that I deal with. So uh, the telepresence of which the Temi is now a really good example. Um, it's Alexa integrated, so you can basically you can order just, a pizza from. Yes, I was going to say, Nikki, they they have the capacity to add uh, apps or programs to the individual robot is my understanding so that you can um, personalise, if that's the right word. That's exactly right, Tony. You understand it right. So, so Temi has got the ability for, um, so for instance, some of my clients use Temi as a personal assistant. So meet and greet to yes. the offices and this particular company was software developers. So in no time they had the Temi and the Temi was meeting and greeting. So when the um, receptionist went on lunch, the Temi was there. So when you walked in, yeah. you went on screen and you said you're here to see X, Y and Z. The Temi would call that person and say, Peter's here to come and see you and Timmy would take them there. So like phenomenal capabilities. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, also with that, when we're thinking about telepresence, um, my um, uh, background is in health and I've seen the rise of the telepresence where uh, doctors can consult remotely, they can operate remotely using some of these robotic technologies, um, which is just brilliantly um, amazing for the life in the future. Some of the other, um, we've talked a little bit about the service robots and how they help. Do you see that some of those service robots will evolve to be able to do quite extensive care for individual people? So from, you know, the lifting, the moving, those sorts of things. Do you see that happening in the not distant yeah. future, Nikki? Um, it's already happening in Japan. Japan's one of the top yeah. um, users of robotics. They per capita um, ten thousand is about seven hundred robots. So Japan's got an aging mm-hmm. population, so they're very much using yes. assistive robotics for lifting people um, out of yes. beds. And um, so, yes, I do see it. I, I, you know, again, Australia's got twenty-seven million people, so you have to put it into. Um, context. Yes, China's got 1.4 billion people. So the adoption yes. rate of robots is far, far higher than us. And they've got a massive push towards an integration of by 2025. Um, they want to be known as the robotic country in the world, which I think they're well on track to doing. Um, well, that's exciting. Yeah. So Japan, South Korea, these are all countries that they hire adopters of robotics and, and how they use robotics. I certainly, um, in Australia, with with the advent of COVID, that certainly pushed robotics to the forefront. So, doctors yes. and hospitals are using the Teminar to to consult um, because of all the personal yeah. protective gear. They don't need that; they can yeah. go up to a patient. Yes. So, I'm not for one moment suggesting this is the first portal call, but for a second or no, third consult, they can use a telepresence robot. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So. Those um, medical-based robots, um, I'm guessing that they've got quite um, extensive capability that might extend to basic diagnostics in time? Well, look, there's the AI capability of it. So Watson... Yes. um, Watson's strike rate was actually... um, correctly diagnosing breast cancer it's phenomenal it's 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 yes. really high it's yes. something like much higher than yeah, a human yes of course now it's in consultation with the doctor as well but if if that's artificial yes. because they're looking at thousands upon thousands upon thousands of scans and they can find them yes. so it's the machine learning so in conjunction i always think robotics is in conjunction with with the humans it's never unless Definitely. you're talking about complete automation in a factory where they're putting cars together. There's still humans involved there, but in medical terms, if you look at, for instance, the Da Vinci robot, which is a assistive robot, um, there are 5,000 of them in the world at the moment, of which about 83 are in Australia. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Gosh, I can um, remember when that first came into operating theatres. I was still in operating theatres when they were first introduced, and there was – Fear and and all the rest of it, but to know that growth, so that growth in that particular robot for that particular surgery, that's amazing, Nikki. 
Look, it's, um, you know, I've, I've got a Let's Talk Robotics podcast and I spoke to Professor Paul Bannon about it because he heads up yes. the institute in Sydney to yes. um, do all the training. And um, so you would know being a nurse that the nurses, they've got their basic training and then they actually train to work with the robots. You can't just go yep. in there. There's a further education. That's course. right. And basically they, they're doing operations with these robots that humans can't do. Like if you That's couldn't right. go in there as a human being. Yes. The preciseness of their ability to do something that humans can't actually yeah. improves the outcomes for the patients. I, I forget the numbers, but it really makes a huge difference because the robot is doing that precise surgery versus a human and the likelihood of human um, error, uh, yeah. it, it's just improved their health health outcomes phenomenally. Yeah. yeah, look, and it's your it's your time in hospital because the less invasive the operation is, uh-huh. so the more precise, less bleeding, um, less recovery. So the turnaround yes. of students, uh, patients being in hospital is far less than you would normally have it. Less so money, yeah. That's it. Yeah, like the, the, the flow and effects of having this. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, when I speak to them, just broadly speaking, when I go and do chats and um, other roboticists that I deal with, people are, you know, are the robots going to take our jobs and this, that. Look, there is they a... They can't a, take that human They can't take everything. Ever. Mm. No. There, there is a certain they amount can. of... They can make our lives and our and our life work balance so much better. And you're right; they're never going to take over the world as portrayed in in the Hollywood movies. Because at the end of the day, there's still going to there still needs to be that human interaction to program them, all those sorts of things. And particularly around healthcare, the doctors will always have the end say, but their capability in making our life better, having better outcomes, uh, better recovery rates for cancer of any description where you can have a robot that does precise surgery to remove whatever it is that needs removing. That's a great outcome for humanity, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, definitely, Tony. And, I mean, there's a company in Melbourne called Swoop Aero that delivers um, uh, medicine in drones. Drones are made and yes. and um, built in, in Port Melbourne, and it's all mm-hmm. over the world that these drones fly and they deliver emergency medicine, you know. So, again, a great example Absolutely. of what, what robotic solutions can do. Do you see a crossover with um, what's happening in the drone sphere and the robotic sphere in a in a sort of a combination? Because drones, you think flying aircraft type situation, robots, you think something quite in quite uh, different. But is there a crossover between yeah. drone and robotic development in combination with AI? Yeah, well, a drone is considered a form of a robot, so um, that, yeah. that's how you view it. They're classed as a robot as well. Um, and uh-huh. drones are being used to inspect um, electricity assets, so when people can't get yeah. up now, they're using drones to do that. If you're looking at um, uh, Melbourne Waterways inspects their the water pipes with drones, so in India... Ah, yes. Typically, about five people are lost a week by inspecting sewerage pipes, and now having adopted drones, they, you know, like their fatality rate has just all but disappeared because they're using this technology now. So, um, yeah. look, I think, I think, 
using as humans what we want to focus on is using robots for good like obviously there's always the possibility that things can be used for bad bad reasons but yeah but we want to focus on being good so you don't want Mm. um armed drones flying around that's certainly not what we want in our futures yeah yeah um nikki the company is obviously going really, really well at the moment. Um, and you see, I see that continuing. In 2020, um, there were some, a number of really good accolades for you and the company. And you were recognized, you know, as the one to watch from robotics research online. Um, platform called the Robo Hub. Um, you were recognised by Innovative Robotics uh, Solutions providers as, as a top five company. How do these? What do these accolades mean to you? Firstly, as a woman in a non-traditional realm, i.e., robotics, um, does that give you further um, strength to keep going with what you're doing? Tony, um, and thank you for mentioning my accolades. Uh, you know what? I look. I, They're phenomenal. I, thank you. We I really appreciate celebrate it. them <laughs> enough, and we do not celebrate enough women who are working in the technical fields. You know, yeah. we should be shouting from the rooftops because look, yeah, means- they've, they've got enough challenges. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, you know, I am. I, um, Prior to COVID, I, we were Gartner Symposiums, Robotic uh, Solution, and um, I, it's predominantly a male event, Gartner, um, that they host up in, in the Gold Coast. And I, I remember more yeah. than one guy because I'd be standing next to my robots and I remember more than one yeah. man coming to me and sort of looking me up and down and going, oh, um, you know, oh, do, you, do you work for the company? I go, no, this is my company. <laughs> I have to say oh, the slide, no. the, the slide, I was always waiting for it. Though. So at the end, I just decided to be, you know. I, I See, as a be, woman, yeah. as a woman, that's really, I find that funny. And I just like, yeah, it's my company. Like I can't think of anything company, more empowering yeah. to respond with. <laughs> well, I did, I did have a little moment of, yes, this is my company. So off you go. No, yeah. Not that you're, you're probably earning more money than I am, but that's not the point. It's my company. So <laughs> look, it, it has been, um, you know, the um, the 30 Women to Watch has been an absolutely enormous accolade because it's predominantly highly academic women that are recognised yes. in this field. And um, yes. my fellow Australian is doing amazing work as well. So, um, yes, it, it, it has been really um, a, a particular, yes, it's a, it, is, it has made things um, good. Good is, is a good word. That's, that's a good way to put it. So... And otherwise, you know, still, I, as I said. It's still a struggle, though, for CEO women in um, areas like robotics and tech. And, and and I've got a number of female friends in mining and construction. And there's still that, oh, you work for the company or, oh, you're, you know, there's, there's still not that recognition that women can do things that we do have technical brains and we do have that capacity to run things. And obviously um, you've learnt lots over your time with um, robotics, but you started with no 
specific robotic education or understanding, did you? You started right at the with nothing and have scaled up yeah, from I mean, there. Yeah, you're right, Sonia. Like I, my um, formal education, I did a um, business diploma and after school and then I yes. went and did law. Um, I was in my yes. third year and due to just financial constraints, always meaning to go back and finish it, but, you know, life yeah. happened. I got married and... Um, and, yeah. you know, like, you know, I just put my support behind yeah. him and it's not a decision I yes. regretted. But, um, no, I didn't. You're quite right. Anton was the, the techno, like, technocrat. He was exceptionally bright and, yeah. and gifted in the area. And, you know, I always thought, look, what I don't know, I, I do recall the first time I sat in the office and I am I was reading the stuff and I'm going, I had to read it 10 times, I have to be honest, before oh, I said, okay, I think I'm beginning to sort of suss up what the hell this means. Um <laughs> it's not what like you can read I can read I can understand it and if I have to read it 10 yeah. times to understand it well what's the big deal be it. yeah you know I do look I'll in in year seven and eight um there's a paper yeah. to support this this is where it's the crux for goals that decide whether they go into STEM or humanities and it's the girls are equally smarter or not even smarter than guys with STEM subjects yes. at that age. Like there's, there's the evidence to support that they outperform the boys. It's when they start yes. making decisions, do you want to go down a STEM career or like STEM subjects or the humanities? And then they look where the cohort goes. And if their friends yes. go to humanities, that's where they tend mm-hmm. to go. So this is okay. actually where I go, you know, and I speak to a lot of my, my female guests on my podcast. They're all in, in yes. this, the robotics field. And um, this is the crucial juncture where you need a career advisor that says to the girls, listen. Have you thought do, about this? Do STEM because your career options probably triple as opposed to humanities. Yeah. The money triples. If you decide yes. you're going on a STEM career and you don't want to do it, you can flip into humanities, but you can't vice yeah. versa. Once you've gone down the humanities, if you've got no STEM subjects for you to go, that's right. I want to go into STEM, it's, it makes it 20 times harder. So if I yeah. had girls, my advice would be to them, even if you didn't like maths, even if you struggle, practice. You need maths. Yeah. You need yeah. you need either science or you need a biology. You need you need two STEM subjects when you finish year twelve. Yeah. Would be my advice to all parents listening there, regardless of what your children are telling you. Do not underestimate how important this is for their future career possibilities. And um, because that's where we're headed as as at humanity, the 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 jobs and the emerging technology um, will be in STEM. Is my understanding definitely look? And you, I I was speaking to Dr. Amanda Capel. She is a guest, and and Victoria has just released the roadmap for for STEM from primary Uh school to high school, and then universities where you can go for what assistance, what 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 resources are out there. And uh, I think that all the state should have this, just as a matter of you know that every classroom should have this for girls to look at and go, okay, here's my STEM path. This is how I do it. Here. Yeah, organizations and resources that I can tap into to help me um, on my way. And yeah, no one ever says everything's easy, but so what? Like, you know, just, just yeah. you, you have to keep a bigger yeah. picture in mind here. Yeah, yeah. Nikki, what is your favorite robot 
in your robotics range. Now, just before I I'd let Nikki answer this, now, so Nikki's company has telepresence, service, social, uh, and STEM robots. So she has a whole range of these robots. So I'm curious to know what's your favourite <laughs> robot and why? Oh, Tony, that's tough. Can I have two? Be nice. I've got so many. I I need to have two. You can have two. (laughs) Look, under the category of telepresence, because, like, I have to tell the audience, you know, in Australia at any given day there's 60,000 children that don't go to school for whatever reason. So it could be they've got cancer. Um, yes. They've got like other issues that they've just long ongoing issues that they can't go to school and they actually need a way to go to school. So these type of robots, these telepresence robots are actually being used in Australia now. And I deal with uh-huh. an organization, Canteen, um, yes. that, that buys my products to support children that have cancer. So I have to go, yes. the telepresence, like the Temi is by far the best one because, um, you know, people with disabilities, it's got a tray, it can move around, you can map it, it can go unassisted in your house, you can on your phone go, you can dial in and go, let the Timmy go to the kitchen and you can see why isn't your elderly mom answering the phone while she's stuck on the floor, you know, like it's Uh amazing, it's amazing what this technology can do. And then, of course, the QT because working with children with autism, You know, like I go, yeah. how, how cool is this? Like making such a difference mm-hmm. in children's development as they grow up and in facing a challenging world. Let's face it, it's, it's challenging yeah. for them. So Often those kids with autism have superpowers in other areas. Yes. And that's exciting to know that in the future we might look at a diagnosis of autism completely differently because of some of the technology and interactions and AI that we're making use of at the moment. And they may be responsible for solving some of the big questions of humanity in the future. Um, Nikki, before we run out of time, I want to know some of your big visions and big plans in the next five years. Oh, Tony, five years. (laughs) (laughs) I know, that's a long time in robotics. (laughs) Like, listen, look, I I think... um, I think I hope in five years' time that robotics is is recognised as its own industry. At the moment, it's under manufacturing yeah. in Australia. So we're busy with the oh, robotics yeah. roadmap 2020. So if our listeners are interested in that, there's a 2018 roadmap that's available on the on the internet, mm-hmm. and we're finalising the 2021 now. Just because of um, COVID, it's it's just got a little bit behind schedule. So I certainly hope that the adoption rate in Australia um, will be will be higher and people embrace robotics yeah. more and aren't so afraid of it. And it's part of, I see it as part of my ongoing education, dealing with the robots that I do to say to people, this is assistive technology. Like, um, yes. yes, there will be automation. You know, we will at some point have driverless cars. It's not, I, I don't That's see it in the next. exciting for me. Well, it is exciting, but it's it's going to disrupt some industries, you know, like truck driving, you know, there there is going to be disruption, but there's enough leeway, there's enough time to let people know, listen, there's going to be disruption, change your career if you need to. So, um, 
and if closer to five years time, I'm hoping someone's going to buy my fabulous company so I can go and retire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're out there and you're listening, phone me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Look, and I think on the in the mental health being, I suppose, uh, totally yes. like I, I think um, you know, I think I've got some work to do there still. Just um, I really you know, I, think yeah. that there's there's scope for that interaction between robotics, AI, and I know, um, I know a number of the uh, my friends are working in that um, AI health mm-hmm. app development arena, and I think that that combination of um, software in combination with the hardware of robotics that's exciting. That's exciting yeah. for mental health and the capacity to be able to help someone in a really a deep time of need as well as helping our general overall mental health and well-being. Um, Nikki, um, we're just about running. Um, oh, no, we've got a few more minutes. Yeah, I can keep talking. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I about to say, with the, with the software, um, there's, uh, um, there is an app that Amanda Johnson and her team developed with people that, because she comes from Tasmania and uh, a few of her yes. cohort actually committed suicide. And um, she's developed this app that you can, on a scale of one to five, just flick your friend and say, if they say, how are you, and you, you you're not feeling well and you can't articulate it that you can say like a yes. two and and that triggers off something so you put five of your yes. closest friend and you maybe don't even have to say anything if you just send them like a two they know they have to pick up the phone and phone you know yeah. so talking about apps available today and the difference that it makes because it is confronting for people to admit to people they're not yes. feeling well because they go what's the matter with you now because if you don't and you if can't you, describe no, that it's just that's a, it it's the black darkness full of pain and that's hard to describe when you're in that place yeah and so i agree with you nikki having some sort of app that will help convey just how you're feeling and get you some help quickly um it can only be a good thing yeah look and i mean you know sort of closing on the on the mental health i you know i always what I want to say to men is, you know, you think this is the end of your pain, but it's the beginning of insurmountable pain. And I know most, you know, I know people that are down that road, they, they don't, they don't have the capacity to think of it. But before you even open that door to think this is an option for you, because you do actually have to open the door to go, this is something I'm contemplating. So when you're opening that door, bear the thought that what you're leaving behind is it's just an ongoing agony for people to deal with it. Yeah. So yeah. If, if, if that can stop one person out there today to go further on the journey of thinking um, to end their life as a solution, um, I, I hope that stops them to think let's rather get help and, and talk to someone. Yeah. yeah. Because it is is the family and, and I mm. know the pain that you had to walk through after that time and that pain is unnecessary if we make it easier for people in in dark places and the people that are opening that door to make a second decision, have a second thought. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's 
at that point um, because for we can't afford to lose any more people to suicide and we particularly can't afford to lose any more good men to suicide. Yeah. And I say that because oftentimes these men are amazing, intellectual, forward-thinking, uh, emotionally in intelligent men that just feel like they can't go on and there's no other option. Yeah, um, no, it's, Nikki, it's terrible. I um, I'm so grateful that um, we were able to broach the suicide subject today. I know that it's difficult for you, and I really appreciate that this that you've done this. Um, just in closing, I want to finish the interview off with how people can connect with you where they can find out about your robots and where they will find out the differences between the robots that your company has. Tony, thank you. So they can reach out to me. Um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on all social media. I've got Twitter at Exaptic. I'm on Instagram at Exaptic and otherwise Mickey at Exaptic.com.au. And if you go onto my website, there's a contact us and that will also reach me. So um, I welcome any inquiries and um, anyone just wanting to explore and just understand robotics more, I'm, I'm more than happy to chat yeah. to them. Yeah, I was going to say I've been on um, Nikki's website heaps of times and um, <laughs> I get stuck on there looking at, oh, goodness me, wouldn't that be fun to have around the house? <laughs> um, I, from a, a working woman's perspective, I'm looking for the day when we have robot housekeepers that can, you know, <laughs> mop and vacuum and um, all the rest of it. But if you go onto Nikki's website, what I'm trying to say is that you can all the the whole range of the robots that they have available is there, but there's also really wonderful descriptors that tell you exactly how the robot robot is used, what it's for, and what its capability and capacity is. And that's just the basic information about that particular robot in that particular range. And my understanding from um, talking to Nikki is that there is capacity in um, Exapec to do things that are outside of the scope so if you've got a question um and jump if you jump on the website and see something oh gosh i wonder if it would do blah 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 then i just i encourage you to reach out to nikki and uh, use her wisdom and knowledge around robotics to try and solve whatever problem it is that you're trying to solve in your company um, there's phenomenal scope in manufacturing there's phenomenal scope in health mental health um, and medicine and then there's all the other stuff in between. Um, Nikki, just before we go, are most of your robots imported to Australia or are you doing some of part of the manufacturing here? How does that work for ex expect? Um, we we did uh, we did start some manufacturing tiny but when um, Anton passed away that stopped so yes. I import all the robots at this point in time so the software development is I've got a team of people in Australia who assist me with that if someone yes. needs something specific and um, yeah and otherwise uh, what I don't have on keep on the floor here myself I just yes. I just order in I've got relationships with all my suppliers and just another curious question that's hit my my mind. Do they come ready assembled? Are they like a whole unit when they yes. arrive? Or yes. they are? And yeah, then you've are. just got to put the program in and test and check that they're <clears throat> and that they're ready to go. 
So everything's programmed. What we generally do once a shipment arrives in Australia is we unpack everything, we test it, we switch mm-hmm. it on, we make sure it works. Um, yeah. So if, if you buy something from me, you will notice the box has been opened. It's because we actually test yes. and make sure that it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. not an off-the-shelf product that you go to Harvey and all no. just plucking it off the shelf. It's normally shipped to someone yeah. from our office. And, um, yeah, so we ensure that everything's ready and it's working by the time we, yeah. we send it to them. Nikki, do you and the team go out and check that the robot is running um, in the way that it's anticipated to run? Oh, look, Tony, generally, once once we've done it, I checked it here and we've, there's no, been no flag or anything. Um, yeah. It's, I'm trying to think if I've ever it's had It's ready to go. From, it's ready to go, yeah. And once it's there, I've never... Yeah, and then generally what we do is we we take our clients through a bit of a setup process. So depending on what robot yeah. solution they they've invested in, um, so the QT when you buy that from us, that's two hours of support that you can um, yes. we we talk you through the curriculum, um, how you can change because you can actually add and change to the curriculum. Uh, yeah. Although there is one yeah. already there, it's very easy to you can. You know, you can put whatever you want to on it. And the same with the Temi. The other telepresent solutions are pretty easy. Like you just plug them in and off you yeah. go. But the Temi has got some other things that we generally, we take our clients through like a bit of an hour induction just to, you know, yeah. it's just a, a Zoom call. Like this is what you do there and it's very quick. But yeah. they, they, they generally, they, you unplug, you put on, switch on, ready to use. Like it's, it's. I, I think people, yeah, I think people that have this. Is oh, amazing. It must be so complex. It's not. It's it's actually quite simple. It's not. It's just unpack, plug in, yeah. and off you go. Yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal. I know. Here's me thinking, oh, there must be some sort of process. I'm really glad that I asked that. No, you know, no, you, you just, just plug it in and off you go. Switch it on, put your username in. Yeah, you know, there's security, obviously, that you have to do. But, you know, yeah. once you've done that, then, yeah, so. <laughs> oh, Nikki, yeah. thank you so much for your time this morning on Radio Tony Everyday Business. It's been a divine pleasure having you on the show. I've been looking forward to this uh, interview for weeks and I'm so glad that we've been able to tell the audience about uh, your robotics company and their capacity to solve things within people's home life, business life, etc. Um, I'm excited to see where you go in the next five years. I'll be watching on from the sidelines. Uh, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on Radio Tony today and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for the invite. It's been an absolute pleasure. Ah, the pleasure's been all mine. And wonderful listeners, for those of you that have been listening online, you will get the links to uh, Nikki and her robotics company. Uh, if you haven't and you're not online, just jump onto radiotony.com and you'll find links to Nikki's information as well. We will be back next week with another interview and that's your lot for this week. Thank you so much, Nikki, and bye for now. Thanks, Tony. Bye.